I'm Rico. And I'm Jessica. And this is the Always the Critic podcast where a couple of friends review the latest movies, except we literally have zero qualifications to do so. Jessica, how are you doing on this Monday evening? Doing very well this Monday evening. Had a, kind of a weird day. Didn't didn't feel like a Monday and I don't know. It was just kind of weird. Mm. It was funky. Didn't feel, didn't feel like a Monday. Interesting. Yeah, I don't know. Gotcha. Not in a good way. Mm. That sucks. Yeah. Uh, on my end, I was a guest on the Full Metal Slack It podcast uh, where they do movie style brackets as part of the community for the slash or for the film cast slack podcast. Oh, my gosh. It's an entire <laughs> entire community uh, that follows the film cast podcast. And then they form their own podcast, but oh making brackets of movies. <laughs> so they're in the middle of uh, doing a sports or we're in the middle because I'm kind of part of like the whole deciding committee. But uh, yeah, we're in the middle of sports movies bracket. So had to talk about that. It was a lot of fun. So if, nice. if you're on your podcast feed, check them out. Full Metal Slack it. So today, though, on our show, we're going to talk about a new movie, a new horror movie yeah, uh, yeah. from one of our uh I would say not he's not up and coming anymore. He is no, he's just established. An yeah. He's an established auteur now. But before we get started about talking about the movie, if this is your first time listening, go ahead and subscribe to your favorite podcast app. We're on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and many more. And if you do like us, go ahead and give us a review on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Five stars goes a long way for us. Come and check us out on social media to stay up to date on our latest episodes and reviews. You can find us on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and TikTok at AlwaysCriticPod. And lastly, if you're a fan, please consider becoming a patron. It's such a great way for you to get involved and show your support. You can check out the page on Patreon.com slash AlwaysCriticPod. And once again, thank you to our patrons, Janet and Curtis. Thank you so much for being a... How do you call it? A patron. A patron. You just said it. <laughs> I just said it. So today we're going to talk about the brand new film, Nope, by Jordan Peele. That's Jessica, right. give us the details on what this movie's about. Okay, the IMDb synopsis reads, The residents of a lonely gulch in inland California bear witness to an uncanny and chilling discovery. Does that it? is one way to describe <laughs> that movie. As I mentioned, the movie's directed by Jordan Peele. It is also written by Jordan Peele. Uh, it is stars... Daniel Kaluuya, uh, he plays lead character O.J. Haywood, also alongside Kiki Palmer, who plays Emerald, Steven Yoon, who plays Ricky Jupe Park. Uh, then we have Brandon Perea as Angel Torres, Michael Wincott as Antlers Hoist, and then Keith David as Otis Haywood Sr. Uh, this movie uh, did pretty well with critics audiences maybe not so much jessica you want to let us know how it did with them yeah sure the rotten tomato score is currently 82 percent and it's got a 71 percent audience score the critics consensus reads admiral admirable for its originality and ambition even when its reach exceeds its grasp nope adds spielbergian spectacle to jordan peele's growing arsenal the movie did a solid $44.3 million domestic here in the United States. It's only open in the United States, so that's its full figure right now. 
uh, a little bit more than Get Out, but uh, a drop off from Us. Us okay. made $71 million its opening weekend. Uh, I believe Get Out made about $32 million its opening weekend. So just a little bit above. And with that said, Jessica. Um, I do want to say that the cinematographer is a frequent collaborator with Christopher Nolan. So that's why the movie looks so good. <laughs> Would you do you have his name by chance? Um, I have Hoyt Van Hoytema. Ah, yes. Yeah, so he's done Interstellar, Dunkirk, Tenet. His most do recent. Oppenheimer. Oppenheimer. <laughs> Well, did we'll you have done Oppenheimer? Did you get the the little preview of Oppenheimer in your screening? I did. Yeah, I was. I was, I was very. Taking... Okay, so let's talk about this first because this yeah. isn't necessarily a spoiler. So Nicole Kidman has just finished. Yes. Her AMC spiel, and immediately after Nicole Kidman, the movie is supposed to start. The movie starts, and I'm immediately confused because it's not the movie. It's this weird Oppenheimer promo that they show. And you got it too. Yeah, I got it too. Yeah. Uh, Universal using its own Universal picture to promote another Universal picture. So uh, notable because this is Nolan's first film outside of Warner Brothers after the whole debacle with Tenet and their whole uh, fraying of their relationship. He moved on and Universal quickly was the first company to jump ship mm-hmm. or um, you know bring him aboard. Right. And so, yeah, I was a little confused at first. And the, there was no then, warning. We were no, there was no completely warning. out of the trailers. Yeah, we were by now. done with trailers. We done. were done with trailers. But uh, no, they snuck it in there. It took me a I second. I thought it was rude. I thought it was so rude. There was no intro or nothing like Christopher Nolan or somebody. No, no. Introing the promo. But what what luckily what happened was it shows the universal logo and quickly it goes into the next logo of the producing company sin copy which i already know oh that's nolan so i was like oh so this is this must be the oppenheimer trailer um <laughs> so yeah and i was like okay i mean it didn't really well, show i was sitting anything. no they didn't i was sitting there with furrowed brow <laughs> upset basically because i was like i think they just bamboozled us into watching another trailer they kind of did. They, they did. did. Captive um, audience. <laughs> does this remind you of when we went to go see uh, the rise of Skywalker and then they showed the entire opening sequence of Tenet? Do you remember yeah. that? Yes, I do. I remember but that. That li- didn't come after Nicole Kidman. Well, no, but it came directly before, before the movie. Yeah. And I remember the lady next to me is like, Come on, get rid of this crap. We're not here to see this. I, I'll never forget that. I think it's I'll an abuse of the that. audience. Is their I time think, and their I think they need to announce that ahead of time. Like, yeah. I know some studios will say, "Oh, if you go to see it in IMAX, you'll be able right. to see it." Sneak peek at Oppenheimer, whatever. Yeah, but the Oppenheimer never got announced that way. No, so it was just more like surprise. Anyway, annoying. Um, Moving right along to the actual okay. movie that we, you know, actually came paid to, to see, see. Paid to see. What were your thoughts of Jordan Peele's Nope? I thought it was very ambitious. Probably the west, the best Western that I've seen in a long time because it felt, literally felt like a Western in its look and feel, the setting, horses, 
cowboys, all the rest. Um, the third act is still pretty baffling to me. Uh, I, do, I don't know if I liked it. I don't know. I don't, I don't, I think that, no, I'll just wait for your thoughts. Like, what were your thoughts on Nope? My thoughts on Nope are that I think the movie for me loses <laughs> its steam after you figure out what what it is that we're mm-hmm. seeing. Like, mm-hmm. what is the actual... And I don't think it's much of a spoiler to say that it is... I, I'm not going to say it. I'm not no, going to say it. don't say anything. what it is. Um, <laughs> but once the reveal happens... Mm-hmm. I think that I kind of expected more of explaining why. Uh, okay. Or and also how it tied into like an overall message. Now, at the end of the day, I kind of me and my brother kind of hashed it out and kind of talked about it about what Peel is trying to say using this narrative. Mhm. And it's interesting because we've heard before that Peel said that he's going to be tackling different social issues with each movie. Yes. And so we've seen it in Get Out. There was racism or just like classism, you know, mixed in together. Then in the movie Us, it's definitely about classism and, you know, those... The haves and have-nots. The haves and have-nots. The ones that live below and the ones that live above. Exactly. And then this movie does have a message that, you know, I could get into in a bit. But I think I kind of left the movie a little unsatisfied because um, of the fact that okay. the third act. The th- the, yeah, the third I act is kind of waiting for more. I don't yeah, or, feel or, like, or some sort of twist at the end. Right. Or something like a twist at the end or something like that. But yeah, it just never got there. So my own expectations were my foil here because I was expecting one thing. Okay. Okay. But you know, the movie doesn't give me that. And that's not to say that it was a bad thing, but it was just how I felt. I felt (laughs) unsatisfied. Okay. So I came into it with very few expectations. Yeah. I think I had more expectations going into us Mm. and us was very, I don't want to say nuanced, but very layered and we gleaned a lot from it and you can listen to our thoughts on us actually if you become a patron because it's um archived on our patreon but that's correct the the movie nope is not quite as easy to read from 20 different angles like the movie us was this one is definitely more of a slow burn and you're right that after the reveal you're kind of like okay like how do I take this now how do I discover the meaning behind this now and glean what I can from it what is Jordan Peele trying to say and I think ultimately we're in it for the thrill maybe not horror necessarily but we're definitely in it for the thrill and after the reveal there's like the thrill level goes way down yeah Yep. And I think that contributes to your feeling of unease and dissatisfaction. I don't think I was dissatisfied. I just think I was like shocked, stunned maybe that 
it went in that direction and it was very unapologetic and ambitious and i think that he does a lot of stuff right in the first two-thirds of the movie and then he sets up this amazing climax and then it doesn't it doesn't go in a direction that is more scary right it kind of goes in a conventional type of like what you would see from a average horror movie or in this case supernatural if you want well not supernatural but trying to dance around it is it's a little it tough, feels but. a little bit like m night Shyamalan, and my feeling of the movie is that it feels a lot like signs Shyamalan's signs oh, to me okay and i yeah. think a lot of people have issues with the third acts of Shyamalan movies like period and other than some masterpieces that might be overrated now like sixth sense the third acts on Shyamalan movies are meant to shock you there's some sort of twist in it and I don't think they necessarily go the way that people want and in signs especially it may feel anticlimactic right because you're waiting for some sort of big set piece after all of the slow burn and that doesn't happen in signs so that's why I feel like in the case of nope it kind of has that feeling that of signs yeah where it kind of ends like it just yeah you're like ends, okay and you're like waiting for a little bit more and it's not quite there uh-huh. um performance wise um yeah. i think that it's a mixed bag for me uh okay. in, in terms of performance i think daniel kaluuya is great i think he's doing a wonderful job as the understated. i don't think he's necessarily doing anything no he's not doing anything like you know it okay. wasn't like Judas and the Black Messiah where no. he's like unrecognizable. No, of course not. But it, it's definitely understated. It's definitely mm-hmm. like he is very observant. He, I think he's going for a certain personality and he yeah. nails that. He does. Uh, and then on the other extreme, Kiki, Kiki is Palmer. just like the, the young wild sister who's just... Tour de force. Tour de force. <laughs> talking a mile a minute, you know, just like, yeah, you know, and always like trying to see like what she could do next. Except for work. I think Kiki <laughs> Palmer like, is no. a very, I'll say Kiki Palmer is a very underrated actress. Yeah. And I feel like she can wear 20 different hats and it works. And something that I like about Kiki Palmer is that she's super eccentric and she's very extroverted, even in interviews and things where she's just being herself. So this role felt tailor made for her. It did. It did. And I, I want to see more Kiki Palmer. Period. Like in the trailer alone, when she's describing about. You know, did you know that the first yes. film was a black man on a horse? And like, that was my great, great grandfather. There's another great, <laughs> There's you know, like, <laughs> yeah, like she just has like this energy that's like pent up in her and it, it comes out whether it's exuberant, whether it's funny, whether she's scared, like it comes out really well. Uh, two more performances I do want to point out. I think the good between these two, uh, Stephen, Stephen Young. Stephen, Yeah. I think that there is a slight bit of creepiness to his character. Oh, yes. So that I, I really enjoy. A, have you watched the movie Burning with Steven Yeun? I still haven't seen it. Oh, my I God. Know. Okay. So I it's a to, Korean movie. Yep. You know, subtitles a whole bit. Steven Yeun comes across very creepy in that movie. And there's something about him that you're just 
unnerved by the way that he speaks and the what he's saying is not necessarily aggressive in any way, but you're just like, there's something wrong with this guy and I can't put my finger on it. That is, I think, the blueprint for this character because there's something about him that you're like, what is he hiding? Yeah, it feels like he's hiding something. That's what That's what you're like, okay, he's very pleasant, but what gives? What's, yeah. the, what's the catch? There's almost like this blankness behind the eyes. Mm when when he's like acting in yeah. this role and yeah yeah i found it to be very engaging but also yeah. like slightly off-putting like it's there's off something wrong putting. with this guy yeah uh but then on the other side because he's te- and then you know there's a story that he tells yes that is very morbid and yeah. scary something that's very traumatic that people don't know too much about but he was there firsthand account and the way he's telling it like it's nothing and yeah. very nonchalantly, definitely glazing over all of the details and madness that happened in the course of this true story. Fictional, of course, in a real life, but in the course of this story. Right. In the context of the movie. And Jordan Peele does such a good job. Um, I don't know who the editor was. We can look it up. But, you know, Jordan Peele and his editor totally made that story even better by cutting in a couple of moments of flashback. So you see that he's lying. Yeah, because the way he's doing it is he's the he's using another pop culture reference mm-hmm. to the kind of like describe what was happening. Uh, he uses SNL of all things, like oh, they did a sketch about what happened. But and like, they do it so well. <laughs> yeah, and they do it so well. It's better than anything I could ever recount. Pretty much is the way he <laughs> says it. But yeah, it is such a like. The, the difference between the two things. That the juxtaposition is yeah. excellent. Uh, on the other side, um, Brandon Perea, who plays is Angel he, is Torres. Is it Perea? Like it's probably Perea. Hispanic? Okay. Yeah, I'm pretty sure. He plays Angel Torres in the movie. I kind of found his character to be a little grating at times. Really? A little I bit. I really liked not, his character. Not all the time. I think there's moments where his his character fits into what they're doing and everything that they're but there are times where it's a little it's a little off no I, way i totally oh, okay. disagree with that i totally okay. disagree with your assessment and actually i will say that i was hoping for a hot crowd when i went to go see the movie i went to go see it by myself and mm-hmm. i was like damn i really want that get out crowd you know when we want to see get out it was like what, yeah. what theater were we at that I was like exactly an amazing what theater it was in downtown orlando <laughs> it was at the, oh, the downtown the cob Yep, the cop theater. And uh, that yeah, theater was so that. hot. It was crazy. And I was expecting it. I was hoping for a theater like that. Didn't get one. Didn't but get one either. Angel Torres, that character, seemed to really gain the crowd. Like they were very much gelling with the self referential comedy that he was doing and the dryness that he was, <laughs> you know delivering so i like that i i think that i agree with uh the audience on that <laughs> gotcha my audience yeah no problem uh and so outside of those performances i mean unless you, there's another one you want to touch on um, no well michael wincott plays antlers hoist yes is that supposed to be like a homage or, or um a reference to a real person at all i don't know maybe maybe or, or is it just a joke 
you know, a joke in and of itself, like a joke character. I see what you're saying. And hyperbole uh, of a character. It could be a hyperbole of a character. Uh, or it could be a reference to just another filmmaker, which okay. makes sense to me. But I don't know. I, don't I was know. hoping it'd be a little more obvious, but I was like, who is this? This seems very well thought out for just a side character, you know? Yeah, I know what you mean. It was but like, is this making fun of somebody? And I don't know who it is. I wonder if it was. I wonder <laughs> if it was. That would be a really good thing to know. Um, now, in terms of how you feel of this movie versus the other two movies that Jordan Peele has already released, and mm-hmm. I'm talking about mm-hmm. Get Out and Us, mm-hmm. do you have like where you would kind of place it among those? Do you feel stronger about this one versus the other two I think I would place it, th- like, if I was ranking them, it would probably be third. Mm-hmm. But Us, like, uh, we've had a few years to sit on Us, and I just feel like it's not that rewatchable. Okay. I hear you. But this one feels like it can be. It can I don't be. Know. Yeah. Gotcha. I, I would say for I don't me, know. I feel like it might be on par with Us. I think it run. might be on par with Us. Yeah. I think that I probably walked out of us a little more excited because there True. were more questions and there was more th- ways to theorize about the mm-hmm. character that mm-hmm. we were watching there versus this kind of lays it all out and just lets yeah. you like, well, here it is. This is yeah, there's it. Less, there's less fat to chew on. Right. Yeah. So I guess that's probably another thing because get out, also was another movie where you walked out and there was like a lot of things to talk about for that mm-hmm. movie. But uh, this one does feel like, well, that that's what happened. And <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's uh, pretty much it. So I obviously there's themes that I would like to talk about and also some of our favorite moments and mm-hmm. we could get into all of that. But before and we spoilers. get exactly before we get into spoilers and everything. What did you give the movie as a letter grade? B. A B? B. Yeah. A B. I think I'm probably settling at a B as well. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Um the other his other movies I I I think grade us grades just slightly a little bit maybe better. Like B plus maybe. Yeah, like a B plus. And then, you know, get out as an A, a easily. Yeah. So those are our grades. Those are our general thoughts for the movie. No, nope. we tried really hard not to spoil anything. Yeah. So now we are going to go ahead and get into spoilers about Nope right after this. The greatest trick. Houston, we have a problem. I am the father. I see dead people. The devil ever pulled. Pay no attention to that man behind the curtain. Was convincing the world. You can't handle the truth. He didn't exist. Oh, what's in the box? All right, and let's go ahead and let's talk about spoilers for the movie Nope. Yeah. Uh, Jessica, where do we start? I'm guessing. Well, so it's <laughs> the thing that we were dancing around was it's a UFO, but it's not just an unidentified flying object. It's an unidentified flying carnivorous alien. Yeah. In the sh- in the shape of a saucer. Yes. And when it um you know, beams people up, it kind of looks like a mushroom on the bottom. You know what I'm saying? Like all that wrinkly bit. Yeah. So I think that I was expecting aliens, like traditional looking aliens, not this 
flying saucer carnivore, but I'm actually not upset that it's an a flying saucer carnivore. Were you upset that it was a flying I was saucer not. carnivore? <laughs> no, no, I, I mean, wasn't upset. I thought that stupid. was I thought that was an interesting way of going about it. Like, yeah, true. It, it kind it's of not changes. A Right. It's not a vehicle. It looks like a vehicle, but it's not a vehicle. This mm-hmm. is an actual um organic organic thing. Being yeah. Yeah. That was eating. Yeah. You know, eating it whatever it was finding and it was very territorial. Yeah. So this so, valley was its home. Home. So yeah. I wanted to talk about what me and my brother were discussing and Yeah, yeah. Uh, we what, can't take credit that? fully for this like actual like full thought. Okay. But the gist of it is the movie kind of sets up the dichotomy of two different ways on how approaching animals. Yes. So this is a major theme. Yes. And it's taming or breaking an animal. Right. Or with animals or trying to have animals adjust to human rules versus you understanding that animals will be animals and they will operate under their rules and you have to abide by them. And so seeing the two characters and by the two characters, I mean, OJ's character and Ricky's character. Ricky has a uh, misplaced assurance about the way he can you know, basically interact with animals. And it came from an early event. It came from the event uh, on the TV show he was on, uh, Gordy's Home, where Mm -hmm. there was uh, an ape. It was a chimpanzee. Yes, they had a co-star who was an animal, a trained chimp named Gordy. And the incident that we were dancing around before spoilers was that Gordy the chimp went fucking berserk and started pounding and attacking it's like people on set the co-stars that were working with the animal day in and day out and there was seemingly no rhyme or reason for it and you know Steven Yen's character was left alive because the chimp did see him and go up to him you know covered in blood the chimp has just you kind of assume that it's uh killed the female co-star the young girl and he comes over covered in blood and the motion that they used to do all the time was like a pound it like they pound fists yeah and the chimp raises his fist to steven yin's character um what's his name uh, ricky jupe jupe ricky, ricky jupe and they pound fists before the animal is killed before the chimp is you know very suddenly shot to death Yes. And the way that Jupe tells the story, he says, you know, we had a trust. Me and the chimp, Gordy, we trusted each other. Right. So he feels that he has conquered the animal because he tr- the, the animal went berserk and did not kill him, left him alive, and he feels like, there was a connection there. There was trust there. There was an understanding. And there, it, Ricky Jupe Park is so wrong, it's not even funny. Ridiculously wrong. So it's not even funny. 
Because then he takes that mindset. Yeah. That he mis- completely misunderstanding the situation. He mm-hmm. takes that mindset, grows up with that mindset. Mm-hmm. And then with this discovery of this alien. Yeah. He feels that he can do the same thing again. Yeah. Gain its trust and be able to come to an understanding with this creature. Mm-hmm. When on the other side, OJ, OJ Haywood understands that. Don't trust the animals. You don't trust the animals. Animals have rules. They have their own laws. They have their own way of inhabiting this world and you have to understand that and work within those parameters Mm -hmm. like i think the best example in the movie is early on in the movie when he is on set with the horse lucky and he's trying to tell everyone don't stand behind the horse don't look at it which is very real i don't know if you've interacted with horses or been horseback riding but you know they tell you that don't stand behind the horse or if you horse. do have to step behind the horse, you know, keep your hand on the horse to, so that the horse knows where you are at all times, you know. Otherwise, yeah. it's liable to kick you, yeah. and horses cause damage, and they can kill people they very kill easily. People. Yeah. yeah. Don't look so, at it in the eye. OJ saying was don't look at it in the eye. I don't know how many animals are out there that they tell you don't look at it in the eye. I've never heard that for a horse ever. But yeah, was- Jordan Jordan Peele picked that thing and ran with it and was like i'm gonna stake my claim on this like a bogus fact but uh that was kind of a recurring theme don't look it in the eye and it comes back with the alien also not liking it when people looked it in the eye there was no discernible human like eye on the animal it was just the uh like you know spherical opening yeah the opening was uh, you know thought of as the eye in the context of the exactly movie. in this particular case and he goes by that set of rules yeah like maybe and it doesn't like being looked in the eye and then that's the reason why it attacks and eats people or things exactly animals. and i so i i like seeing rules the rules the way it's misinterpreted or interpreted by the two different characters uh-huh. because they go about it in such radically different ways. Mm-hmm. Um, and then throwing it in there, the plot itself is they notice that there is a UFO. They believe a UFO. So they, they want f- evidence. Mm-hmm. They want to be able to capture it on film. They want to be able Their to... Their ranch is in financial stri- troubles and yep. they need the money. They need, They want to sell whatever footage they can gather of this thing so that they can live off of it. Yes. You know, profit from this thing that's randomly happening to them. Yeah. So I would say that with all that, that's where the majority of the movie starts to drive is like getting everything into motion, like getting the camera set up, meeting Angel, the character from Electronic Fries, whatever the (laughs) company is. Uh, meeting those characters, Kiki becoming a central point of the plot as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, so all that starts happening there. And at the same time, just off in the distance is where Steven Yun's character, uh, Ricky, has like a small amusement park that is cowboy themed, Western themed. <laughs> yes. 
Howdy, boys and girls. And so, but there he's also doing, it almost feels like a spiritual, religious experience that he's trying to get people to come um, into. I don't know. It feels Maybe, SeaWorldy. Like, okay, yeah. uh, you know, uh, the dolphins are going to come up and the, you, it's like. A, it feels like that. Yeah, it feels but, like Shamu's about to burst in. At the same time, the way he describes the experience, you know, it's going to change your life. And that felt very. You're right. It did feel very religious and like. A revival sense. Like, there might oh, be something to read into that, but I don't know. Oh, I but don't know it could be like, think about people who have like an encounter, encounter. early on. Yeah. And then all of a sudden they, they almost put a pedestal or they deify something mm. and they become worshipers of that thing. Like think about mm. how, in the movie, he keeps buying horses from the ranch, but he's using the horses to kind of sacrifice them. sacrifices. Them. Oh, my God, you're right. There you go. So, and he's oh. bringing people in to to see the, experience it for themselves so they can have their own almost religious-like experience. Oh, my gosh, stop it. And I'm just thinking stop about that, all that right now on the spot. <laughs> I didn't even think of that before. The Sacrificial horses. The sacrificial horses. That's the biggest part of it that I yeah. think feels like a religious sort of and Old so, Testament uh, display here. Right. And so that to me is is kind of like a huge part of it because of the fact that this is a character who feels chosen. He oh. He feels like he is called to do this because of mm. his encounter with Gordy when he was a child. He feels like yes. he is special. Go. He is being called to something. Yeah. Rico, because you he's are being on fire. Called to something, he feels that he has a direct connection with that alien because yeah. in the six months that he's been doing this ritualistic Friday night, almost like a revival type of thing that he's doing, he is also sacrificing these animals. To show favor, to curry favor with this being, with this creature. Stop it. But in the end, Stop. he does not fully understand that he is not chosen. He is just going to be yet another victim of, of just a predator. <laughs> You've nailed it. Well, that's a great interpretation. I applaud you for going so far with it <laughs> on the spot. I will add to it and say... I think it's no coincidence that it's been six months. Six is not a holy number. No, it's not. He's also wearing an entirely red suit. You know, red is not symbolic of like good things. No, it's in not. In any horror movie. Yeah. And not to say that he is one of these, but it almost feels like a charlatan. Hmm. He has the facade of like, come in, bring your family to like theme park, whatever, you know, so the, whatever the name of the place was. But at the same time, his main interest is this. This is his main interest. Mm -hmm. Like his family is all bought in. Right. The wife, the kids, the ki they're all making like things to <laughs> to basically like serve 
to this creature. Like they okay, make all these plush dolls, and they are profiteering. They are also profiteering off of this. Oh God! Did experience. I just <laughs> did I just step into another thing <laughs> that maybe Jordan Peele meant to talk about here? And then the other side is OJ. Or I think someone said the uh, one theme was the commodification of. Uh, you know, like experiences or or something. I can't remember. What. I kind of heard that too. Where anyway, but we don't we'll just allow experiences to happen. We kind of have to commercialize them. We have to, we have yeah, to yeah, yeah, make yeah, yeah. an an exab. Uh, we basically have to make a big deal of them, and we have to get them on tape, and we have to you know make a big deal out of it. We have to sell merchandise of it. So yeah. So speaking of the commodification or the exploitation of let's say animals they exploited gordy the chimp gordy in his youth in ricky's youth and now he's doing the same thing to this animal yeah without even realizing it without even realizing it and look what the same the same thing happened the animal broke am i am i reading too much in this and saying that maybe that's kind of poking fun at the way a lot of people may view religious leaders uh, nowadays, where as alien wranglers, not necessarily alien <laughs> wranglers. That's not what I mean. But what I mean is, it's like a a song and show, mm. and they you know trying to bring people, but at the same time, they're trying to sell merch. They're trying to. It's manipulative. Know, it's manipulative the way they're trying to. Like make this experience feel, mm. you know, you know, yeah. they, they try to, they have a facade there, but mm. in, at the end of the day, they just want your money. Right. I wonder if like, there's maybe some kind of text there that Absolutely. maybe I'm reading a little too much. No, into, no, no, or? you're not. I'm not right. Okay. <laughs> you're not. All right. Okay. That was a wonderful, like, you know, five, 10 minutes of you really digging your heels in. With that theory. That's a wonderful theory. I agree completely. Um, let's talk about the turn. Because this scene has a turn. It does. And I think this is probably the most terrifying sequence of the whole movie, personally. I think it, this is this scared me the most. So the animal, com- the alien comes early. Because it was exactly, the time was like, I don't know, 5.15, like 5 or 6 13 it was some exact time that he said there every friday the thing shows up and they feed it a horse and it came early that day and everyone gets a good look at the saucer before it flies down at an alarming speed tips up and the eye opens and it sucks everybody in it sucks everybody in and the scene does not end there no because you see everyone going through the digestive tract of this animal, which is just an alarming look at like, it looks like intestines, very see-through, everything's lit up from the inside, and they're moving through, people screaming, a lot of mayhem, and you see the first you know woman or whoever got taken up by this thing hitting, I guess, the end of the digestive, digestive tract or whatever, and this huge giant like sucker thing starts to, you know, suck her head in and she's, I mean, screaming her head off. It is terrifying. Just completely. God horror. awful. Yeah. Horrible. I was squirming I mean, in my chair. I was like, oh my God. Like I couldn't 
find a place to be comfortable in the seat. It was alarming. It's so really kudos was. to Jordan Peele for thinking of this awful sequence and not, <laughs> because he didn't just let it end, right? And it gives context to the noises that they have been hearing in the valley. Whenever that saucer thing is flying around, you hear like horse screams or people screams, like some sort of like awful noise. Oh, screeching. insane. And once it sucks up everybody inside of it, you realize that it's the people that are inside of it or the animals, horses, whatever it's eaten, screaming as it's getting digested. Oh, it's horrifying. Which is an awful, horrifying thought. I, man, I, I really squirmed when we saw the inside. The inside. And, and we saw the people basically being digested. Yeah. I was like, oh, this is creepy as hell. Like, yeah. And... You know, it tries to go after OJ, you know, but he's in the, he's underneath like the wooden, uh, like sh- horseshoe auditorium. It does because there was a roof on the building yeah. or whatever. He runs himself into the roof of the building and gets knocked unconscious versus getting sucked up into the animal and digested. Yes, exactly. Um, yeah, so. And it didn't go after the horse Lucky, who was very lucky. <laughs> yeah, very lucky. That There's <laughs> yeah. a good name for that horse. Yeah. Uh, the movie kind of gets split up into chapters. Yeah, named after the horses, and each each kind of you know leans into it into what's about to happen. Or because if you think about Ghost, that chapter is like the first one, pretty much, and it talks about the white horse that mm-hmm. that they have. Uh, and it leads all the way to Lucky in the middle of the movie. And, you know, the coincidences that it must have taken for Lucky not to get sucked up by that alien. And I guess still it didn't survive. look at it. Maybe <laughs> it didn't look at it. Maybe Why it didn't kept Lucky its head down. It? Yeah. That could be possible. Um, and then the main set piece is named Jean Jacket, which is a reference to earlier in the movie about a horse that they were... Uh, basically training for the scorpion king <laughs> <laughs> because they're hollywood horse wranglers so if they were they got hired that's the best like thing that, about the movie too it is really is they have given the scorpion king a whole new life it really is why, and, the, why the most obscure well it's not obscure but it's just a bad early yeah. 2000s movie and then you on know, top of that, early in the Rock's career, yes, very early <laughs> in the Rock's career. And then on top of that, what's so funny about that moment is OJ's recounting the story about we named a jean jacket, training it for you know the Scorpion King, mm-hmm. and then he's like, they ended up using camels or some shit like that. They didn't even use the horses. So I started <laughs> laughing so hard when he said that. Um, oh. But jean jacket is kind of their code word of training getting ready preparing and that's mm-hmm. what they use for the final sequence and yeah so we understand i what think that th- okay so we i think we talked we didn't talk about this yet of emerald kiki palmer's character recounts the story of their father who was very hard-headed and kind of uncaring that he promised his daughter that she could train this this horse her horse is 
jean jacket for sure for sure for sure and then he takes this away from her and trains the animal himself for a job and the job ended up coming to not right exactly so what did you think of this story because it kind of felt like a little bit out of place to me but what it, what was your read on it that story, I just daddy feel, daddy issues for sure. Yeah, daddy issues for sure. But beyond that, like, what did you? I didn't feel like it was going to lead into something greater than that. I just thought that that was recounting their relationship with their father. Their father, we don't get much in the movie. He's like in the very beginning, and then he's in a in a scene in the middle. Keith David plays him, uh, but I just feel like. This is them coming to to grips with their father's legacy, what he's left behind to them, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. what they remember about him, you know, in their own personal relationships with their father. But I I don't think it really plays much more than that outside of just how they connect with each other, OJ mm-hmm. and Emerald. Mm-hmm. Basically bonding over how they felt she says you turned and you looked at me yeah exactly and they did that motion yeah the the father didn't do that to like he wouldn't even look up at the window he just Mm. kept training uh jean jacket but the brother oj did look up and made the signal like i'm watching you you know Mm -hmm. with the fingers pointing at the eyes and then to emerald and then that does come back right the motion comes back because then it's emotional it's an emotional touch point. touch point, exactly. So I maybe that's the only read on it, unless there's no, something but else. I feel like there's there has to be something else because, you know, Emerald is saying I never got this chance to train my own animal and do something on my own, you know? And I guess the final sequence does give her that chance, not necessarily that she trains the alien in any way, but she does get that one-on-one with the animal and kind of takes ownership of, the the chase yeah it becomes her uh discovery is not really the word it becomes her moment Mm -hmm. to to do to make the mission hers like she puts the final stamp on what they've been trying to do right she is the scorpion king (laughs) 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 oh man (laughs) Okay. Oh, okay. Um, uh, sequences that I liked really creepy. Uh, having the house being showered oh, yeah. in blood. Oh yeah. Uh, because the disgusting. alien was basically just like shooting out everything vomiting? that wasn't necessary necessary for him. Yeah. So it didn't like metal. Didn't like metal. Was pooping metal. I guess. Pretty much, and like firing it out because. Um, yeah. That's There's how momentum. the father died. The father died because it it got shot right in the eye with a nickel. Yeah. So, yeah. So that that's a reason why. Money. Yep. Money. It got money. shot in the eye with money. The I wasn't quite sure why it was vomiting though, like the guts and the blood and stuff. That didn't make a lot of sense to me because at first, at the beginning of the sequence, it's just excreting metal. Mm-hmm. Not any fluids, but I think maybe it was mad or I hurt think, because of I the, think it uh, was the horse. Remember? Yep. The fake horse. The fake horse that they had tricked it with. 
with a streamer or whatever. I think it was maybe trying to get that out. I think so. You know so. when you're sick and you're like, oh, just, you know, vomit, you'll feel better. Like, I think right. it was like trying to get the horse up. That and I think at the same time, I think it was also leaning into the like it was, it was mad at them. Yeah, I think it was mad, too, because I, I don't know if you've them. ever had like a dog that's like mad at you and yeah. it, like does something out of spite. Like animals do things out of spite. Yeah, they do. Or they try to like bite you or they try to yeah. come at you. You know, yeah. So I think it was that. I think it was mm. trying to, like, attack them in a way. Mm. Um, at the time, I think it was still being cautious. It wasn't trying to eat them through the house. But then later on in the movie, it pisses them off so much <laughs> that it doesn't care what it's like sucking up. Like it's you know it's like sucking up part of the barn and part of the house and <laughs> right. like doesn't even care. It's trying to kill them later on. Mm -hmm. So, um, yeah, that's just by driving them, driving the animal to a mm -hmm. wild rage is what they did. They pissed it off. They pissed it off. Yeah, but I like that. The house sequence when it's getting showered in money, I mean money, in metal and guts and stuff, that was awful. I Yeah, no. It a was plus sequence. <laughs> a plus sequence. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, but yeah, um, I think that was a good sequence. Um, I think that I really enjoy the look of the cowboy town. Yes. Yeah, I think yeah. just like walking around and then later on the way how they use it like very creepily, you know, because after when the When he incidents, goes there and no one's there. Yeah, after When OJ the shows up for Lucky and yep. nobody's there, that is scary as shit to me. It is very scary. Uh, there's a pig on one of the roofs because of like <laughs> the way it, it almost felt like a tornado, like just yes. swirling. Everything swirls around when it, yeah, when like it's the pulling pig stuff up. Obviously, flew, so it's doing the impossible because you know when pigs fly, that that same, hey. and the pig 100 flew and it like landed flew. on the roof. Yeah. <laughs> You're dying. That's such a good one. That is such a good one. Uh, okay, so those are, I mean, there's other sequences that I'm guessing. I, I really like the conversation that Emerald's having in the store with her brother where like they're describing, you know, we need, you know, we need to get this for ourselves. We, mm -hmm. we need to make it we need big. To go on Oprah. We need to go on Oprah. Oprah? Well, not Oprah, but you know what I mean? And like, <laughs> she starts to describe, we need to get the shot. What shot? The shot. The money shot. The Oprah shot. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Oprah shot. <laughs> so, yeah. Um, I guess the this is where Angel enters. Yeah. In in this part, this is where I was like, okay, it, it's a little too upfront about it. Like his character is like all into aliens and like immediately, you know, like he just well, bombards he you. Kind what's of. going on? Yeah, he guesses it right away, and he's all into it. It's it's I don't know. The character just came off like, huh, like not even dance around it a little bit. No, no. It was just immediate like he starts getting into his like whole conspiracy theory type of things immediately. I guess there's people like that. that there are people as soon like as you that. meet them. It's like, do you want do you know what they really do in Washington, D.C.? And it's like, oh, whoa, whoa. <laughs> there's people okay. like that. One hundred percent. And you know what? I used to have a roommate that. um 
I lived with her when I was studying abroad and she had her laptop on one of those radio stations it's like you call in and it's like alien encounters and people literally the radio stations sounded like i was taken up in 2006 and they did xyz to me like like that and i heard her listening to it and i started laughing and i and then she was like why are you laughing oh no and i was like oh um yeah no it's just these people really seem like they they believe this and she was like aliens are real and it was like one of those conversations that you see in like 30 rock or something like yes. you're just like is this happening for real so 100 percent, i believe that you know this character angel torres can easily be on board with an alien encounter these people are trying to catch in the valley yo yo yeah, there are these dudes <laughs> there, there, there are, are these those people. dudes um i think my favorite moment in the movie is when uh he cut OJ, oj's coming back during the rainstorm when the alien is shitting all over the house and he has lucky with him and the car shuts off because of the emp that the alien gives off everything shuts off and there's a break in the storm and he, he's like looks at the house it's not there anymore and he decides to crack open the door a little bit to see what's going on outside. So he opens the door a little bit, peeks out. The saucer's directly overhead. Not moving, but it's there. And he just closes the door and like shakes his head and goes, nope. <laughs> We're, not, <laughs> We're not doing that. Loved it. Loved nope. it. Nope. <laughs> there were all, every time that they said nope, it was a good moment. Like I genuinely thought it was a well-placed nope (laughs) yep yeah they did a very good job dropping it because that is a common way of describing something that yeah no i I don't want to deal with this i'm not (laughs) messing around with anything like this yeah nope (laughs) yeah that is a common way speaking of nope i think he also says it in the barn when uh ricky's kids play the prank on him yes he does that part was excellent that was, I was great. Very, I when was the like, oh second my God. alien, oh. I put that in quotation marks, shows up, I freaked out. And then so he, he freaks out. He was like, nope. And then he yeah, starts he was like, backing nope. away. He takes, off, takes out his phone and starts, starts videotaping. I mean, it was a good part. Did you think that those costumes and like the mask and stuff that the kids wear was an homage to the masks from us? Huh. I thought they kind of looked similar. Really? A little bit. You know, yeah. I didn't uh I didn't pick up on it while I was watching it, no. Okay. So may you know what? That may- it looked a little bit like it the could, up yeah, I mean yeah, the yeah. us uh masks. No, I totally get it. Um no, but it didn't it I didn't read it that time when I was watching it, so it was just filmed really well. It was too. Because he sees like it's something it you could you could have interpreted whatever it was as like a sack of grain or what have you they had had, it's a barn it's a barn so but then when it starts getting up you're just like oh my god like it was just so perfectly filmed oh yeah it was wonderfully filmed very good um let me see are there any like major points that we're missing uh i think we have to talk about the end yeah i think it's time the last thing i'll say is like um he jordan peele has said that it's definitely an exploration of how Hollywood exploits minorities because this family, the Haywood family, are descendants of the 1978 photography of like the black jockey 
galloping on a horse. Yeah. So I think it's like taking back the narrative a bit, providing legacy where there was none. Oh, okay. Uh, I see what you're but saying. Yeah, I think because they do mention something. that. Uh, yeah. Like yeah. you know he he was the first, and he was our family. He was our uncle, but. He, the horse people know who the horse was but nobody knew anything about the jockey until mm-hmm. he made a name for himself as a horse wrangler and then passed it on through the family type of thing mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. so i can i can see what you're saying there with that what was that line that um oj says where he's like if it's got a if it's got something it can be broke if it's got a spirit it can be broke yeah if it's got a spirit it can be broke love that line that's a good line all right, so let's get to the final sequence, which this animal, I just don't know what to say. Because it, they aggravate it to no end. It eats the cinematographer. Yep. <laughs> which the cinematographer went nuts and like left the hideout. And yeah, I mean, like the cinematographer even went as far to say, um, we don't deserve the impossible shot. I don't know where he's coming from with that. I really, I can't get a read on the cinematography. I I just feel like he knew. So let me go back to when he's first approached about the possibility. Yeah, yeah, sure. When he, when she mentions to him, I want the impossible shot. Immediately, it's like he knows what shot she's talking about. Immediately. Well, is it the one like where the sh- he's taken up? No, 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 no. I'm talking about early on when she makes the phone call to him. Yeah. And she's trying to like get his business, trying to bring him in. Look, this is we want you. Uh, you say you can make the impossible possible. Well, we're looking for the impossible shot. Mm-hmm. And it, it feels in that moment immediately like he knows what she's referencing. Because he, he like stops for a moment. He stops himself because he's like very like blase about the entire conversation. But when she says that, that's where like he kind of perks up. Uh-huh. And then he was like, the impossible shot. And he's like, whatever you want, you're not, you can't get it. And then he hangs up and he's done. I but mean, then he, he, refer- he comes back. He comes back because I think that. Deep down, this guy also believes that there was aliens. Like, he knew that aliens were a thing, but he's never been able to see it. I think that's the way I read it. I could be wrong in the way I read it, but... See, I was thinking that he was a perfectionist, and the impossible shot meant the perfect shot. And there there could never be a perfect... Like, there's you're chasing, like, a vapor, because there's no... Nothing is perfect. Right. Uh, no, I, that I was my interpretation saying. and I just didn't like that he suddenly kind of went off the rails. He like he reminded me of Quint in Jaws. <laughs> a very eccentric person. Very eccentric. With a one track mind. He's a cinematographer. All he does is is is, you know, visuals, imagery. He's looking at in nature documentaries or footage all day long in his own home yeah he you know is has this one track mind and his 
Jaws or Great Whale, whatever you, Moby Dick or whatever, is this impossible shot. He knows he can never achieve it. Gotcha. That is how I interpreted the character. And he even sings at one point. Doesn't he like sing or he he recites his poem? He recites a poem. And it's very much like Quint, like singing the day, the night before they Jaws shows up again. Yeah. I don't know. Uh, Speaking of Jaws, just as a side note, have you ever heard uh, Bill Simmons from The Ringer when he describes Quint being like eaten by Jaws? (laughs) I feel like I have. It is so funny the way he like, like acts it out himself. He's like. It's like when Quint gets eaten by by the shark. He's like, ah, ah, ah. Like the way like Bill like just goes all in. It's so funny to me every time I hear him do that. And he's done oh, it multiple man. times. Like it's just random. He'll just be like, it's like Quint. Ah, ah, ah. It's so funny. Well, so the set so that's back to what we were saying. The cinematographer yes. gets eaten. It tries to eat Angel, but Angel has been he gets wrapped up in like some tarp and tarp barbed wire and then barbed wire. Yep. It didn't like that very much. So it spit him out like twice. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Goes after Kiki. Can't get Kiki. Nope. And finally, uh, OJ uses himself as bait so that Kiki can get out on an electric bike, which there was a rando that wandered into the space trying to get the scoop. He got eaten. It was awful. So now Kiki takes a motorcycle over to Ricky's park and tries to get the shot once she releases like just this giant balloon of the mascot of the park. <laughs> and the alien um, does this weird dance with it. It does. It in does. In the sky? It's kind of like, like posturing with it. Yeah, it's like kind of like trying to like figure it out like what it's going yeah. to do in, in midair. If it's yeah. going to do anything to it. Mm-hmm. And I guess it just takes it as a threat finally, just as Kiki is trying to get the shot. And uh, it eats the balloon and the balloon obviously pops and explodes the alien saucer thing, which wasn't a saucer by that point. I guess this is also part of like why I'm very confused about the ending is that the animal expands into... Almost like an orchid butterfly looking thing in the sky. Yeah. It almost looks like fabric waving in the wind. It's just a very elaborate like thing and doesn't look at all like the compact saucer that was flying around in the middle of the night. I do like when they open up the alien to yeah. like give it more of a form. Okay. Because obviously we, as like just people, uh, we view the saucer and we keep in our heads probably thinking, oh, that's a ship. That is transportation. But okay. once they like, once it goes into its final form is like <laughs> the way I like to describe it. It has like this beauty to it. It's beautiful. It's not scary at all. It doesn't feel scary. But, you know, when it when it pops out, it's I don't know if it's a mouth or something in oh, a square yeah. like a and square it like sort of and it like keeps like like almost like vibrating portal. out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's where it's like it looks like Ew. a threat display of like, a, you know, some sort of animal. It was 
I don't like turkeys kind of like plan their little feathers and you know there's lizards that have the the fans I don't know it just looked weird and too graceful and beautiful to be a threat yeah it was I know giant though I mean it was just massive thing I I don't know I think that's part of my hesitation with if I like the ending because I think they took away the frightening aspect of there's just a flying saucer that can like suck you up and digest you <laughs> and looks like a cloud during the day <laughs> like it can just masquerade as natural phenomena but with the final form as you call it <laughs> I think it takes a lot of the mystery out of it and I'm wondering how it's sucking people in like where are the digestive parts like it doesn't seem to have you know what I'm saying? Like I'm yeah, like logistically, like where is it putting these people right, now? Logistically, I I don't. You know, like I don't know. Yeah, I think that. Um, <laughs> I don't know. It's a weird way of just like, um, it like getting to the end. Yeah, serene. it looks peaceful and serene. I mean, maybe that's another way of just talking about how we kind of view animals. Like we see them as these like peaceful creatures, but we don't truly understand the nature that, of it. Yeah, the nature of it. Like what, what it, what it is. It's a nice juxtaposition. I had plotted for making a, this deadly creature into like a beautiful looking fabric monster, but uh, <laughs> I just don't think it. I don't know if it had the effects that I was expecting it to have. No, I don't know. It wasn't. I can, yeah. And so, and the way it just ends. Well, it explodes, right? And yeah, it, it explodes. Falls the pieces, whatever is left, fall back down to earth, and Kiki's won over it, conquered over nature, Con- so to speak. Conquered over nature. Yeah, that's never, one way. They to never managed it. to tame it. They did not tame it. No, of course not. Uh, but at the end of the day, they accomplished their actual goal, which was to capture footage or evidence of it. Mm-hmm. That was their goal. And they, right. they accomplished it. But it kind of just Is there also there. a... Hold on. So is there also an angle here of like analog versus digital? Because the animal would send out an EMP, so nothing electric would, would turn on would work. Yeah. Including, you know, the traditional looking cameras and all that stuff like it just didn't work in the presence of this thing so you had to go old school with it yep yep that's actually a really good read on it that's a good read on it because Mm. then um you know having to do everything manually to be able to capture that stuff that's another way of kind of you could say that horses and westerns are bygone Analog from an analog era sort of movie template. Yeah, they are. They are. Uh, but also at the same time, you can kind of speak on how we as a society have rushed to like the digital age when it comes mm-hmm. to capturing either film, photography, when, but the true like king of like film and, and, and photography is actual film. You know, mm-hmm. it's like actual using a film, not digital. Right. There, it's, it will always be inferior 
in every way <laughs> kind of thing. That's right. one way to view it. So, yeah, uh, I think it'll get you out of an extraterrestrial pickle. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> okay. So do we have anything? else? I don't know if I have anything else. All right. Then maybe I do. Oh, it was shot on IMAX. So. Yes, it was. <laughs> Speaking it was. of analog and digital. It was shot on IMAX. So great stuff. Um, yeah, I think that might be our thoughts. I think our discussion here, I think we enjoyed our, our conversation about it for sure. Uh, even though maybe we didn't like the movie as much. Yeah. As maybe, you know, get out or something like that. But I think that we enjoyed the conversation. It, it, it as we talked it out, we kind of started digging a little bit mm-hmm. and maybe stuff that wasn't so clear before we were able to kind of like dig up and yeah. start mm-hmm. creating our own theories or something like that. So yeah, it was a fun conversation. I enjoyed it. I enjoyed it a lot. Yes. And so that is going to do it for our conversation on Nope. <laughs> so uh, if this is your first time listening, thank you for listening to us. If you wanted to hear somebody's thoughts on Nope and you fell across our podcast, thank you for giving it a shot. If you want to stay up to date with us, go ahead and check us out on social media at Always Critic Pod. That's on TikTok, Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. That is Always Critic Pod. Uh, go ahead and subscribe on your favorite podcast app Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, all of them. Rate us five stars on all of them. It goes a long way for us as well. And if you've done all that, become a patron you can sign up at patreon.com slash always critic pod there we are dropping some exclusive episodes particularly jessica so if you are a fan of the k rambles podcast that we have yeah. uh go and check it out because she is talking about shows that she is either just getting started on or she is in the middle of definitely check out our content there yeah. Uh, what are we doing next week? Are we doing... I'm trying to think. Um, the next movie that's coming now, I'm not doing Super Pets. You're not, you're not doing Super Pets? I don't think you I'm don't doing like Super, super pets. pets. I don't think I'm ready. You know, for the longest time, I kept thinking like this was going to be the Bullet Train weekend, but it's not. It's not. Yeah. It's not that's there August. yet. So this is what we'll say. Uh, we'll go ahead and we'll let you guys know uh, through social media, what our next episode is going to be. Uh, I bet you guys are going to have fun with us there. So, with that said, my name is Rico. And I'm Jessica, and this has been the Always the Critic Podcast. Always the Critic.